here we are. Uh, we are in the uh, last two months of uh, 2020, uh, which is quite fast. We are entering a new month. This is a new month in November, and uh, last month we talked to you about mental health, and I hope that you have been greatly blessed. And I pray that you have learned something practical, the principle how to avoid uh, mental health problems and how to overcome if you encounter one and how to feel and uh, the people who probably having a mental problems. And I hope that you have received the message and you don't need to be ashamed about mental health at all and uh, there is always hope and better future for people who even are struggling with this matter. And most importantly, I hope that you have received the message that God is always there for you and He is our help in times of need and that we will come up victorious at any time because God will fight our battles. Right? And for the next two months, we will be Uh, we will conclude the theme of this year, which is about destiny. In order for us to reach our destiny, God has planned for us. Our attitude matters. Everybody said attitude matters. Two, three, go. Attitude matters. Okay, one more time. Two, three, go. Attitude matters. It's just like mental health matters in reaching our destiny. Attitudes also matters in reaching our destiny. If you remember when, G, when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, God gave them the Ten Commandments. Basically, are the principles that will bring them into the promised land. It's also the principle that should live by that they can maintain the prosperity in the promised land so they can live long and enjoy the blessings of God. Likewise, today I will be sharing with you from sun, this Sunday throughout the, the whole uh, of the last two, last two months of the, of the year. I will be sharing with you about be attitude. The teaching that Jesus taught his disciples on the mountains that recorded in the book of Matthew chapter 5. You probably heard the uh, phrase, your It is your attitude more than your aptitudes that will determine your altitude. In the marketplace, this is known for EQ, for emotional intelligence, including self-regulations, motivation, social skills. These qualities are very important to determine a person's success even more than Others' abilities that he or she possess. Someone might be very smart, someone might be very skillful, but the attitude is wrong, the attitude of heart is wrong, being lazy, being careless, and not disciplined themselves, and a proud probably will not bring the persons far in their career. Likewise, in the kingdom of God, in order for us to reach our destiny, that God has planned for our lives, Our attitudes matters to God. The attitude of our heart is a very important in the eyes of God. God judges, rewards, and trusts those that are valuable to people who have the right attitude before Him. 
because the right attitude that we are talking about is not the standard of the world, but God's standard. That sometimes contradict to the world standard. The title of my sermon, by the way, is called The Poor Who Is Rich. I'm going to explain to you in a while. Book of Matthew chapter 5. If you don't mind, I will just read the uh, odd verse, which is verse four, uh, 3, and then you read verse 4, and then I'll, I'll read 5, and then you start with 6, and then you continue with 6, alright? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Four. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Six. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On, on my account. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven for the prophets who were before you. Alright, if you look at some of this principle, talking about the poor in the spirit, talking about those people who mourn, talking about the people who are meek, talking about those people who are hunger and thirst, talking about those people who are merciful and pure in heart, in world standard, probably this is not an ideal. This is not the principle that people will live by when they try to achieve things in this world. But these are the principles that Jesus taught his, his disciples that will ensure them to enter the kingdom of heaven and would ensure them to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God and the blessing that God had planned for them for their destiny. In order for us to fully understand this passage of the scripture that we just read, is to derive its meaning from its context. So if you pull these verses out of the context, you might get very confused. But if you put it properly into the context, which is in the book of Matthew chapter, five, uh, chapter 4, after Jesus triumphed, over the devil's temptation, Jesus began to preach about repentance and the kingdom of heaven. Repentance has been returning to God. In order for people to return to God from their sins, these are the qualities, these are the attitudes they need to have that to show and to express their repentance. And this also the attitudes and the quality and the principle they should live by that they will have the kingdom of heaven in their life. So it signifies that the attitude taught by Jesus is the attitude of the heart of the people who have repented from their sins. And these are also the attitude that will enable the believers to live successfully according to the principle and the value of the kingdom of God. That's why these attitudes, this principle are very, very 
important. So as of today, once again, the title of my sermon is The Poor Who Is Rich. Everybody say with me, The Poor Who Is Rich. Two, three, go. The Poor Who Is Rich. One more time. The Poor Who Is Rich. Right? This is what Jesus says in verse 3. This is our focus for today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you a simple question. How much money or assets or wealth that do you need to have in order for you to believe and know and realize that you are a rich person in Singapore? Okay, let me ask you one more time. How much money that do you think or assets or wealth that you need to have in order for you to think that believe that you are a rich person here in Singapore? Okay, Eric, what do you think? How much, sorry? Ten millions. Ten millions. Uh, pretty good. How about, uh, how about a bungalow in Nassim Road that costs more than, uh, what, 40, 50 million? They will be very rich, right? How about if you own, uh, not only the share, but you own DBS Bank? They will be very rich. How about you own the entire Singapore? Eric, would you, would you consider you a very rich? If you own the entire Singapore? <laughs> because you are too rich, right? If you look at what Jesus said, is that not only you, you own bank, you own bungalow in Singapore, but Jesus blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Would you think if you have kingdom of heaven that you consider yourself very rich? Yes, you. I would. And the key according to Jesus is that being poor in the spirit. If you ask, Pastor, what does it mean being poor in spirit? So just to make sure before we go into the wrong directions and wrongly interpret this Bible, this verse of the Bible, let's try to exclude what is not, what did Jesus did not mean, right? Number one, Jesus did not mean financially poor. So when Jesus said blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, Jesus does not mean that being poor you will be blessed. That being poor, you have the kingdom of God. By no means that Jesus was, was glorifying poverty, neither he demonized wealth. It means that Jesus did not say, if you are poor, it's good. Jesus did not say that. Jesus did not say that if you have money, it's bad. You are not spiritual if you are wealthy. This is not what Jesus said. He did not mean poor in financial sense. If poor here means financial sense, that means that we don't need to help the poor. And probably most of us, we don't need to go to school, we don't need to study, we don't need to work, we don't need to do business. Let us be poor so we can earn, we can have the kingdom of God, so we will be blessed by God. It's not. Or we give away our money, our wealth to the poor people, to the needy, to the church, to the ministry. 
And most of you will say, Pastor, that's not possible. No way I'm not going to do that because it's not logical. You are right. It's not only not logical, it's not biblical. It's not wise either. And most importantly, that is not what Jesus meant when he said poor in the spirit. If you look at the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, sorry, it's a bit too small, the 2 Corinthians, chapter uh, 9, verse 8. The Bible said then, and God is able to bless you abundantly. How much God bless you? Okay, everybody, can you look at it? How much God bless you? Abundantly. He is able to bless you abundantly. A lot. Much more. And he explained, so that in all things, in how many things? In all things. Include your financial, include your spiritual, include your mental health. In all things, at all times, not once in a while, not once in a month, not once in a year, that you having all that you need, having what? All that you need. Okay, but be careful, huh? not all that you want, right? Not all that you desire, not all that you dream, not all that you imagine. It's not all that you need. Not only that, that you will abound in every good work. It means that God wants to bless you more than you need. So you can do good work. You can be a blessing to others. You can help others. So it's very clear that Jesus did not mean financially poor because God's plan for you and me is to bless us more than enough so we can be a blessing to others. Those who believe say Joseph knew this principle. During the famine in Egypt and the entire known world at that time, Joseph was the prime minister in Egypt. He has the power to rule the entire known world at that time. But his family, his father and the other extended family, brothers and the family still lived way from Egypt. They were suffering. And this is what Joseph told his brothers to bring his father and the family, the entire clients, to Egypt. This is what he said. I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belongs to you will become destitute. Joseph understood that God's plan for him to be the ruler in Egypt is to preserve the lives of his people, not only preserve them, but to prevent them from being a destitute. No wonder the second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God wants to bless us abundantly, more than we need, more than we, 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 we require, so that we can do a good work to become a blessing for others. So it is very clear. That God's plan is to bless us abundantly and, he, he, and we can use the blessings to bless others. So it's not poor financially. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't care and doesn't love and doesn't you know, uh, appreciate those people who are poor. God wants us to help those people who are poor. 
That's why the Bible said, whoever oppresses the poor shall contempt to their makers, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. It brings glory to God when people help the poor, when people uh, assist those people who are poor. Because, to us, because there are some people who live in poverty because of the existing situations and circumstances. So there are some people who become poor because they, the area, the place where they live has war, conflicts, and everything was wiped away from their lives. Even right now in Lebanon, has been going through a financial crisis. People who have their money in the bank, for example, they have 100,000 in the bank. Now it's only worth about 15,000. 85% of the value of the money wiped away from their lives. Many people become so poor and destitute. So God, is, God cares for those poor. And there are some people who become poor but they are not supposed to be poor financially. But they become poor because of their dedications to God and His work. These people dedicate their, their, their money, their possessions, their life to the work of God. For example, the disciples. One day, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus spoke up. The Bible said, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. What he was saying is that, oh Jesus, we left everything. Now what are we going to get? This is what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this present age. Home, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. See, God always cares for those who are poor and those people who have sacrificed everything for the kingdom of God. So no wonder in the book of Acts, probably you will, you will read uh, the story or the, uh, the record about all believers were together and had everything in common. And they're, they're selling their possession, they're selling their goods, they're selling their houses. Why? So they can share with one another because there are some Christians who were persecuted, their money were robbed, were taken away from them. They become so poor because they become Christian, follow Jesus, and the family denounce them. So they need, they have needs. So they believers who are rich who still have money, they sold everything and they help one another. And Bible said, those people who do that will receive reward even a hundred times as much in this present age and the age to come. So, once again, Jesus did not mean financially poor, but those there are some people who choose to be poor because of the sacrifice, God will reward them. Now, let's get into what is the true meaning of the poor in spirit. What did Jesus mean when he said, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit? Let me just well, read to you some quotation here. To be poor in spirit, is to acknowledge our spiritual poverty. Indeed, our spiritual bankruptcy before God. There's a theologian called Calvin, John Calvin. He came up with a theological method, what he called total depravity. It means that no one can come to God except the grace of God because we are not even able Repent ourselves. And he continued, For we are sinners under the holy judgments of God. 
and deserving nothing but the judgments of God. We have nothing to offer, nothing to plead, nothing with which to buy the favor of heaven. It's a quotation from John Stott. The Greek language here to describe poverty. It is a condition of a person who is very poor, who do not have any ability and opportunity to meet his own daily needs. So he needs to humble himself to ask and beg for the mercy of others just to sustain his life. So when Jesus talks about poor in the spirit, he's talking about us who have the attitude and acknowledge the poverty, the inability of our spiritual being, then we humble ourselves and we beg for God, for His mercy, for the redemptive redemptions of our life. And this should be the attitudes of our hearts before God and as we acknowledge the total depravity of our lives, that we have sins against God and we in ourselves are not able to save our, to save our life, ourselves. We are unable to earn the right for the kingdom of heaven. We can only ask for mercy of God. God forgive me. Ah, God save me for my sins. God give me the salvation. And we humble ourselves before God and acknowledge that we are in total reliant, dependent on Him for our salvation. So those who are poor in spirit, to summarize it in a very short term, is those people who have the attitude who is in their heart completely depend on God. So that's why in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5, one of the translations said, God blesses those who realize their need for Him. God, I need you. I need you to go through this. Lord, I need you to face this mental health problem. Lord, I need you to face these struggles in my life. Lord, I need you to overcome sins in my life. Lord, I need you to overcome my weakness in my life. Lord, I need you for my salvation. Lord, I need you in everything in my life. But with all the convenience and all the offer of the world, there's often time is very attractive. People often think that we do not need God. People can live and be successful without God. Those people who do not even believe in God, they are successful too. But to have true happiness, to be blessed, to have a true riches, there is the kingdom of heaven. We must realize that we can not achieve all of this without the mercy of God. In the second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, the Bible said, you 
know how full of love and the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ was. That he was rich, but yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you make you riches. of our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet he, for your sake he became poor. He's talking about Jesus came from heaven, live as a human being, and die on the cross so that by his poverty he could make you rich. That's not the first from the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 18 and uh, 15 to 18 is talking about this uh, church called Laodicean church. This church was condemned by Jesus because of their attitude of their hearts that depend on their riches, their wealth. Jesus said they become lukewarm. They become a Christians who only by name, woodless, powerless. They need a call and need a heart. This is the pictures about the, uh, the city of Laodicea in which that, that, that city depends on the spring water from other towns that they need to bring to the, to the city. And according to the record, the Colossae had all these cold springs that were clean and refreshing to drink, but the Laodicea had these problems of the water supply, so they need to bring this water in by aqueduct about six miles from the, miles from the south. By the time this water reached this city, it became lukewarm, it became dirty, it became undrinkable. So this is the picture that Jesus used. That the Christians, the church become lukewarm. They become ineffective because they trusted their own riches. They trusted in their natural worldly wealth. Jesus' word, rather than the call to a call to, hot, uh, to, to bring people into a personal commitment and revival. Jesus is confronting the social sickness in the church, in this church, that they embrace the lifestyle of a wealthy and elite status. And this sickness is especially hard to detect because the church appears to be numerically healthy, to be self-sufficient, but with respect to the gospel and the kingdom missions, they are rich, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's how dangerous it is when people depend on their wealth. Well, it's easier said than done. That's what we always say that. Because there are challenges to have this attitude poor in the spirit. It is not easy to be poor in the spirit of being humble and dependent on God. There are challenges because our tendency, human tendency, our nature is want to be independent. We want to be able to do ourselves. We don't want to depend on others. Well, one of the uh, one of the challenges that we have to encounter in our nature is that we want to be in control. 
In the book of Jeremiah said, this, the heart of man is very deceitful. One of the examples is Adam and Eve. If you remember, Adam and Eve fell into sin. They did not want to humble themselves and live dependent on God. They don't want to rely on God to tell them what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. They tell themselves and the devil tell them, if you eat the fruit of good and you know good and evil, uh, knowledge of good and evil, then you don't have, you can decide by yourself. You don't have to depend on God. You don't have to rely on God. You can be in control of your life and your future. Adam and Eve fell into sin because they don't want to depend on God. The attitude of their heart does not want to depend on God actually bring disaster to their own life. Number two challenge. The second challenge is that people tend to rely on religious duties. This is talking about people who believe in God. People who probably go to church, go to temple, and go to mosque, probably this is some people like that. And the book of Ephesians said, for this is, it is by grace, that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. People easily fall into these problems. During the time of Jesus, when he was still on this earth ministering and preaching, he rebuked the teachers of the law and the Pharisee people have been fasting, giving their tithe, going to the temple, doing the sacrifice. Every duty that they ever thought of, ever written of. And Jesus called them hypocrite. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus rebuked them strongly. He said, you snakes. You calling people snakes? It's going to be a riot, right? He said, you brought up fibers. How will you escape being condemned to in hell? You think all your religious duties, going to the temple, doing everything, they're going to guarantee you go to in the heaven? No, he said. It is by the grace of God. It is not our prayer. It's not our fasting. It's not our going church. We're not going to keep tithe and offering to guarantee us to go to heaven. It's not. It is all. Because of the grace and the mercy of God. You want to live a successful Christians? You want to have the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven in your life? You need to rely on God. Because that is the free will and free gift and the grace of God for you and for me. The third problems, the third challenges that we sometimes try to avoid being poor in the spirit. We want to depend on, we to be in control to depend on the things that we do. And the third thing is that we want to rely on our self-righteousness. There are people who do not believe in God. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to do things that according to the Bible. They don't want to listen to the Bible. For them, they still go to heaven as long as they do good things. As long as I don't go, you know, I don't steal. As long as I don't cheat. As long as I'm faithful to my spouse. As long as I'm helping the poor. As long as I do, don't do bad things, when I die, I'll go to heaven. There are also some Christians, probably believers, who use their pieties as a guarantee for the protections of their life. As if they do good things, then they will avoid all the difficulty and troubles in life. 
One of the example is Job. Here that first uh, Job chapter 42. At first glance, when you uh, at first glance when you look in the book of Job and you read the story, and you thought to yourself, this guy is, is a wonderful guy. The Bible said he feared God. The Bible said that he helped those who are in need. The Bible said he even made a covenant with his eyes. Because probably he's an old man, he has a wife. He said he might make a covenant with my eyes not to look at the young girls. Not to laugh at the young girls. John was very loving and very responsible towards his family too. He prayed for his family daily. What an incredible man. Even God was proud of this man. Not even one of his friends, close friends, they could find fault with Job. They can only guess. They can only speculate. They can only condemn Job without knowing anything. So Job's job seems to be someone who is perfect. However, once again we declare there is no perfect persons on this earth. Not you, not me, not even Job. Because throughout the story, at the end of the story of Job, we realize and it turned out that deep down in his heart, Job relied on his piety. Job relied on his holiness. Job relied on his kindness. So when the trouble come, he accused God not being fair to him. He argued with God back and forth. But we thank God, Job finally realized the condition of his heart. There is proud in his heart. There is reliance on the things that he do. And then he repented. And this is what he said. My ears had heard of me. What he's saying is that now I, 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 I knew all the stories. I knew all the theories. I knew all the, uh, the theology, uh, theology phrases. I knew all of them. I, I practiced them in fact. He said. But now, my eye have seen you. Now I have encountered how great you are. Now I have encountered how unmeaningful my works are on this earth. How unmeaningful my kindness, my piety, my self-righteousness on this earth in the eyes of God. Now I see how great you are. And then he said, therefore I despise myself. Can you imagine someone who was so right, so good, so kind, despise himself? Because right there he realized, I cannot earn the favor of God by my own self-righteousness. It's just like us. We cannot earn the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, by our own self-work and self-righteousness. Sometimes it's very hard to tell people, hey, you need to believe in God. You need to trust God. We need to continue to pray for those people because it's only, not only they hear, let them encounter God themselves. They will see the greatness and the mercy of God that will change their heart and their life. For you and me, let us continue to rely on God, depend on Him, 
everything that we need in our life to reach our destiny, even for the kingdom.